Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. From the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in their own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. I have good news and bad news, and I'll let you decide which is which. I am not John, and I am not preaching out of the book of Revelation, so. My name is Lee. For those of us who haven't met, I have a a long history with this place. I had the great privilege for over eight years of serving on staff here under some great leaders from everything, all the things that I told God I would not do, right? Uh, Junior high pastor, associate pastor, sort of maybe the first creative pastor making stuff in the name of Jesus, right? So it is good to be with you and to share with you this morning. I apparently couldn't read a calendar when I said yes to this months ago to speaking today, not knowing that I had also agreed to help paint sets for Vacation Bible School and agreeing to set up for a wedding downtown. So, because I couldn't read a calendar, all of those things just happened to take place in the same week. So, I'm tired just like you are today. So, we're going to keep it pretty analog. There's no videos. There's no backdrops. The only only crazy thing is I'm going to try to use an iPad this morning instead of paper. So, I have trust issues. So, help me, Tamara. I'm going to try to get through it. Have you ever been confused by language? One of the incredible things uh, over the last, over two years now, working completely outside of the church is to work in in the the public sector and to work in a multi-generational office. In fact, I am sort of keeping the median age on our floor way up. It's the first time time I've ever answered to, to people that are younger than me. It's an interesting phenomenon. And so I have coworkers that are younger than some of my children. And so a couple of our team members, Monique and Eric, have taken it upon themselves to make sure that I am on the cutting edge of slang, language that is hip. And so I remember one day we were sitting in the cubicle and they said, hey, Lee, come over here, come over here. And I was like, what, what, what? And they said, do you know what drip is? I was like, well, I I think so. I've heard that word. Like, you know, and I was, and and they said, well, guess what it means? And I couldn't figure it out. They said, you know, when you're all just like, you're like looking really good and you've got like fancy, like that's, that's what that is. Like, okay. 
And did you know that there's words like slaps? Like that's a thing. Like if something's good, it slaps, right? Or um, my favorite, if you're really, if you're just like executing Patrick, it's like you're really getting stuff done, you're pushing P, right? You're just, you're getting it done. And all of these things, these languages confuse me. And what's, what's really interesting is I'm, as I've thought about today's passage, is that in, in the title of it kind of sort of helps us with the progression. There's a lot of confusion that's taking place. Hopefully there's some clarity that happens so that we can get to what I think it's really about, which is empowerment. But I gotta be honest with you, any time that, that we start talking about the Holy Spirit, for me it brings up a lot of memories and thoughts about confusion. I mean, the scripture that we read uh, just a moment ago really starts that way, right? I mean, there's a lot of loud noises. There's a lot of crazy things happening. And when I think about the Holy Spirit, that's what comes to mind for me, Jim. I think about, I grew up in a church where we had revivals, whether or not we needed them. Like, it seemed like every six weeks. I don't think that was actually true, but it was close. And for those of you that don't know, revival is, is like an excuse to have church all week long, Okay. Every night, you show up. And, and so, Tamara, I was a little triggered this morning when you sang I Surrender All because that truly is what they intended to do is you hold out until, you know, maybe the third or fourth night of a series of services and then you say, that's it, I surrender. And you head down and you pray, right? And, and this is how the Holy, I knew that the Holy Spirit was happening in those services because there was this heightened, escalated sense of something happening and these really reserved, conservative Nazarene folks would start kind of moving in their seats a little bit and somebody would take a handkerchief out of their pocket and they'd start waving it around and God help you if you're ever sitting in front of one of those dear sisters when she got blessed and she would holler out, woo, right? We knew, usually you could count on about the fourth night, maybe the fifth night, depends on how much action there had been at the altar, that the song evangelist would sing a lot of extra verses, and it was like he was waiting for something, and you knew what would happen, that there was a lady, we all knew who she was, in the church choir, and she would start moving around in the choir loft, right? The choir loft is, let me explain this also for some of you, it was where people sit up here and sang, Okay. And she would begin to move, and, and then she would begin to start this loud, kind of a mix between laughing and crying all at the same time, but at high volume. And she would start going, and we knew eventually she would start moving up and down the, the aisles of the choir, hugging and shaking hands, and then she would just, she couldn't contain it, so she'd move out into the aisles, and that was the cue for the song evangelist to keep singing. And she would make her way around the aisle, and she would do all these things. I mean, that was the Holy Spirit happening, Right? Some of you are shaking your heads and smiling. Some of you will need more therapy next week, I understand. <laughs> but it was a signal to us that what we understood is the Holy Spirit was moving, right? And it was a spectacle. Sitting in the teen section, it was terrifying. Because if you've never sat in the pew 
while they sing a thousand verses of I Surrender All, waiting for a sweet lady in the church to come pat you on the shoulder and say, honey, don't you think you need to go to the altar and pray, right? I mean, that's, that's how the Holy Spirit moved. That's my memories of what it looked like. And as I, as I thought about that, and, and as I kind of use that as a lens to think about the chaos and the confusion of what's happening here in Pentecost, um, it still can be confusing for us when God moves, can it? Yes. Because I think probably it was genuine, but there were times that I saw it and filtered it a little crooked, right? Because in some ways, that, that sort of ecstatic sort of exhibition at times, really in some ways, rather than pointing back toward God, kind of elevated the individual, right? The folks that could really, really pray out loud. Or the folks that could really say amen or glory to God in a way that nobody else could. Or the, or the folks that would lose their minds and run the aisles and would jump up and down and hoot and holler. All that kind of stuff. Like somehow we knew the Spirit was extra special with those folks because we could see it demonstrated. And, and so as we think about this passage today, it's easy for us to focus on kind of this outward component. This ecstatic hard to define, kind of hard to understand component that, that seems to signal God is up to something, but in many ways brings our focus back to the people who are having that experience. And so those kind of people-focused, if you will, activities are, are sometimes what we refer to as a mountaintop experience, right? Right? I found it interesting growing up that the proof of whether or not the Holy Spirit came into the service was whether or not the preacher was able to preach, right? Y'all been there. The music's going. Halfway through the song service, somebody gets up, starts going to the altar, and everybody goes, and it's just so wonderful and amazing that the, the preacher just says, well, I can't top that, and he doesn't preach. We used to live for those days when we were kids, right? Because we thought we might get out of church on time. Not so during revival. I never once saw an evangelist who did not want to get, earn his money, right? He would, we knew it would be extra long that day. And, and as we think about that, this, this, this kind of mountaintop experience, that's what we then often label as the presence of the living God. Those ecstatic mountaintop experience, and, and I would say God was moving then. No doubt. But as I look around, I am convinced that God still moves today. That's, that's not bad. Can I try that again? God still moves today, yes? And if our only filter for understanding what God is up to is based on those criteria, maybe we are the ones who are confused. And so it's easy for us to look at this passage and we focus on the language, right? This kind of, ex it sometimes is interpreted as an ecstatic gift. Really what this is is that, that somehow these folks from Galilee were able to speak in languages that were native to all the variety of folks that were there in Jerusalem. The truth is there were already many tongues in Jerusalem. 
folks that had gathered from all over sort of the known world, the Roman Empire had gathered, and the one thing they had in common was a sort of this, this answer to a call of, uh, of faith in, in the one God. And they were figuring it out, even though they were separated often by customs and language, but there were many tongues that were used. The truth is that there, were, there was the, the common language of Latin that was the language of government and governance and power. You have Greek that was kind of the language of commerce, sort of the common trade language across the empire. There were folks that, that were well-versed in the, the religion language of Hebrew. And there were many folks that their native tongue, their hometown tongue was Aramaic. There were already many tongues that were being spoken. But what happens in this moment is that when God moves, that the, the, the activity of God is laid plain in a tongue they could understand. Not the language of commerce, not the language of government, but the language of hopes and dreams and fear and pain. That's where the deed and the power of Jesus makes plain the activity of God when it hits us in our hearts. Sometimes we get confused about that, don't we? It's easy for us, I think, to come together as God's people and we try to to figure out a way to replicate and be able to say, see, God's doing that. This is what God is up to. I remember one time kind of getting pushed into a corner in a meeting, not my proudest moment, um, but I looked at a group of folks in a board meeting who... um, our weekly income was never equal to our mortgage payment. So it was a really tight time. And so I was angry. I got pushed into a corner. And so I told those folks that this building had become their Tower of Babel and that they were confused about what they were there for. I felt really good in the moment, not my proudest time. So, But Babel is in the backdrop of all of this, right? A time in which people banded together and said, let's do something that reaches to heaven. Let's do something that sort of signifies our greatness. And that ends in confusion, doesn't it? And so what we have here today is not a creation of a a common language, but it is the activity of God that is now extended across all barriers to all people. And that's really, I think, the amazing part of this. That's what begins to move us, I hope, from the confusion about what's happening here in the Spirit of God to clarity. But the truth is, just like in Babel, we too can get things kind of messed up. Um, We can get disconnected from the purpose of God for which he speaks today. In other words, we can get busy engaging in things that that look like the activity of God, that in many ways conjure up the memory and the feeling of the activity of God, but may or may not be what God is up to at that time. So if you didn't hear already, there was a wedding last night, yes? After the wedding was a party, yes? And so 
I had to leave a bit early, but I left about the moment that dancing was starting to break out. Now, just know that there were two uh, young ladies with Copeland as their last name that were absolutely in the center of that. And the reason that I left was not because I have any issue with dancing, it's just that I don't really know how to do it. Now, that's maybe not entirely uh, accurate. If we were in a crowded room and all you could see of me was here to here, I could look like I was dancing. I could move, I could smile, I could make all the faces that you're supposed to make when you're dancing. You would look across a crowded room and say, man, look at that guy go. But my feet would not be moving. And I think sometimes as God's people, we find activities that replicate what we think God is up to. And we experience it and we, we do this dance that, that to many others looks like God's stuff. And we're participating in it and we perpetuate it because sometimes it, it helps us recall a moment. But we, we're, we're only dancing from the elbows up. And it's not the same. And some of the folks that were most confused when God spoke into his followers that day were because they had a sense of how God spoke and what that looked like. They thought they knew what dancing was. And God was speaking something new that was vast and expansive and powerful. And they missed it. You see, we... We recognize that in Pentecost, it is the coming of the Spirit of God that was present from the beginning. The Spirit that breathed life into nothingness and emptiness and created life and purpose and order. The same Spirit of God that could, that could breathe into a valley of dry bones and bring about life. Spirit of God that brings restoration and rescue and hope and belonging. The same Spirit that enabled Jesus to fully embody the Word of God, the message of who God was about as the Son of God. That same Spirit was breathed into that ragtag group of followers that had nothing else in common save that they had encountered the life-changing power of Jesus. And he breathed into them. Pentecost, for us today, can be the reminder that the Spirit of God has unleashed his restoring reclaiming power on all people. And I think sometimes this is where I miss it, where maybe we miss it. See, just like in Babel, I think sometimes we want to do things that reach to heaven, right? We want to be able to say, if you want to see what what God is up to, just look this way. Look at how we're doing it here. 
But the Spirit of God has always been moving. He's always been about the same thing, about breathing life into the dead, about restoring the lost, rescuing those in need, mending the broken. And as we, as we listen to this, this passage today, and we understand that it was this spirit that empowered Jesus to embody the image of God, then we begin to understand that, that the work of the spirit is the word of God, which is interesting. We're talking about words and language, right? Right? But that what God is about is made plain in Jesus. And what we know is the activity of God that we see. And so when we see the Spirit then coming and, and lending itself back into the lives of these followers, it is to accomplish what we see Jesus doing. It is em empowering us to do the same. I think sometimes we get a little lost about what that looks like because sometimes it looks different. One of the churches I pastored had a young man who really had come to kind of an amazing sort of uh, recognition of faith. He had grown up in the church and so in many ways he had to kind of crawl over barriers about the church to be able to find Jesus. But God got a hold of him and God began to do some amazing kinds of things. And, and he said, I want to give back to the church. And he said, I'd like to play the drums in church. Is that all right? And he said, absolutely, come. And so we were in a few weeks in and he, and he would just play his heart out. And he came to me and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. He said, there's a lady on the back row that whenever I start playing, she crosses her arms and she frowns at me and she shakes her head, no. What do I do? And in my heart, I was thinking, his playing is evidence that the Spirit of God is at work. Right? Oh, you don't agree? <laughs> that was a chance for you to say, man, yes, right? The Spirit of God is moving, and guess what? He wants to put his gifts into practice. And so here's what I said to him, because I knew... That, that this was about that disconnect between the Spirit of God moving looks like this and only this. And I said to him, I said, I tell you what. I said, next time that you start playing, and I said, and you get that frown and the crossed arms and the shaking your head no. I said, I want you to put the biggest smile you can on your face. And I said, I want you to look right at them and I said, and with all the love of Jesus in your heart, I want you to play as loud as you can. <laughs> God's up to more than we could ever imagine. And I think sometimes we sort of decide that we have it figured out, that we know where God's moving, and we know who he talks to and who he doesn't. We know what he blesses and what he doesn't. But what if, I'm just saying, what if God was up to more? I got perspective on this over two years ago when I um, left Southern Nazarene University to work in kind of nonprofit in the corporate world, in economic development. Jim, I discovered something interesting 
God's agenda for the world of reclamation and restoration was a whole lot bigger than any one tribe. (laughs) In fact, I discovered that there were folks that did not gather under the banner of the name of a church that are more actively engaged in acts of restoration, reclamation, and forgiveness than most churches I've been in. It was a great reminder to me that that no matter how much I think I've got the voice of God, the moving of God worked out, no matter how much I think I have cornered the market on the truth about God, and I've got my theology dialed in just perfect, in such a way that I can do and say the right things that kind of point back to me and say, look, God's moving, right? God is so much bigger than all of that. What does that matter to us today? Because look at where the Spirit of God spoke into. He spoke into the language of power. He spoke into the language of commerce. He spoke into the language of religion. And then he crossed all boundaries every ethnicity, every background to speak the language of the heart, our native tongue. And what that means, I think, for us today, some people say that we talk about Pentecost as the birth of the church. For me, Pentecost is just the day that God redefines how vast what he's doing really is. You see, the spirit of God and the work of God is is no longer confined to these walls where we have to build something great to be able to prove that God is and that God speaks and God moves. It's just the opposite. I think sometimes I wonder if, if we're asking God to bless what happens here and he's saying, Why don't you follow me to what I'm really up to? And what I think that can do for us is that it can remind us that that the Spirit of God speaks who he is and what he does. And it doesn't have to be connected to a conversation about faith or theology. That we can be speaking the language of power or commerce and simultaneously be speaking the language of restoration and reclamation. That means that we can be doing the work of God regardless of what our vocation is or our profession. We are actively participating in the mission that has been given to us. And so that brings us to that last word, empowerment. See, empowerment is simply benefiting from the spirit and the life-giving presence of God, right? And sometimes we're doing spiritual things, asking for empowerment, and maybe that's not what God is up to. 
And so the amazing thing about that is this, is that every moment that you live, every conversation, every relationship, every point of influence in your life is a moment for you to experience the empowerment of the living God, participating with him in redeeming and restoring the world right where you are. Every moment then is sacred. And so I wonder this morning, where might Pentecost be asking you to think differently about what it looks like when God is moving? Maybe it changes. Where might you be really good at being spiritual but really confused about what God is seeking to do through you. Good news. That may be a little terrifying, but I'm convinced that's where we experience the empowerment of the living God. Last question. And where might you need to become broken so that you can become a blessing. You say, well, that's, that's kind of hard. You're right. And that's why Pentecost reminds us that at that place is where we have been given power. We rehearse that every week when we gather around the table. And so those that are going to help us serve are going to come to prepare us to receive the elements the Lord's table. And think about what it means for us to allow God to use us in new ways, to recognize that every moment has the opportunity to be sacred and, in, and filled with the power of the life-giving spirit. It's going to require that we too are taken, blessed, broken, and given to enact what God is already up to. And so this morning, as you prepare your hearts, ask yourself those questions. Where must I be broken to be blessed? Where maybe have you been looking for evidence of the movement of God or asking for empowerment where maybe God doesn't want to move? And so this morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper, these elements, you may say, Lee, I'm, I'm new here today. I'm not really sure. If, if you're sitting here today and you recognize that, that you are included in the world that, that God is trying to reclaim and that somehow, even if you don't have it all figured out, you know that you need to play a part and that you will need the grace of God to put one foot in front of the other, then you are invited as well. In a moment, you'll be invited by the ushers to, to stand and come to the aisle and move across to the server. And there will be a bread and cup. And when you receive the bread, the server will say, this is the body of Christ that is broken for you. 
The next station will be a cup where you take that and you dip it into the cup. And the server will say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And as you partake in that moment, recognize that this is the word of God. This is what God does. He restores, he redeems, he reclaims. And this is the empowerment that you will need to enact that mission. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and cup, redefined them as a new covenant body that was broken, blood that was shed. And so today, as we partake of, of these elements, may this simple, common thing become a sacred moment for us as we consider the call of God to heed the voice of the Spirit. As the ushers come to your aisle, stand and come forward and partake of the elements together. just a moment we'll pray a prayer of confession together then pastor ken will come and lead us in a prayer
prayer of intercession. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for the reminder this week from your word that you are up to way more than I can imagine. And God, it's, it's amazing to begin to, to reflect on the notion that you are not held back by boundaries, no limitations. And yet, God, I'm also aware that that many times I have, have said in my mind how you work and who you work through and what you do and what you don't do. And so, Lord, it's made it easy to sort of stand up and try to build a monument to, to my own spirituality in moments and say, well, this is where God is and have so many throwaway moments that have been wasted opportunities to embody your spirit. And so God, we would just simply ask that you would speak truthfully to us about that in our hearts. That as we go from this place, Lord, that we would have new vision for the world around us. That, Lord, we would, would not be satisfied with just approximating a dance. But that you would begin to move us by the rhythms of your spirit. And so, Lord, we come to you with open hearts today. Ready to receive this truth. Help us to live into it today, tomorrow, the next, and the next, the next, and the day after that. Just as much as we are living in it now. We pray this in your strong name. Pastor Ken. Continue in these moments of prayer. We ask that your spirit would just bring individuals to our minds that we might reflect back to you and see miracles happen in ways that we can't even begin to comprehend. We pray this morning for those who are facing surgeries, some of them very significant and perhaps life-changing. We ask that you would work through the medical teams, bring about miracles in their lives, but also that you would, even this moment, bring about peace and the assurance of your presence. We think of several who are struggling and battling with cancer. And for some, it's a struggle that's been going on for some time with its ups and its downs. And for others, it's a brand new struggle. to their lives, to their bodies. 
bodies, but also again we ask for peace, presence. We pray this morning for those whose hearts, whose lives are filled with fear and anxiety today. We pray for those for whom life has just settled into routine and it is disturbing because it is just heavy. And we pray today, Father, for those for whom life is just hard. We pray, Lord, today that you would provide all of us with that assurance and that promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. Whether it's in the crisis moments or the just the routine moments that gradually eat away at our life. Help us to know always that you have promised to be with us. And now, church, as we express again our own prayers, we pray this prayer that the Lord gave to his disciples that you see on the screen. Let's pray that together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.